Hi friends, welcome back to the Health Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Elena Davis, and I'm so glad that you're here today. If you haven't heard yet, let me tell you that my new Foods That Heal guide is now available for free. I'm often asked questions about what foods are the best for certain conditions or maybe just in general, what foods are helpful for our bodies. So I wanted to put together a guide that lists some of my favorite nourishing, healing foods. Quality, nutrient-dense ingredients are the building blocks for really healthy and nourishing meals for you and your family. And this guide is a really great place to start. As I said, you can download it now for free by going to my freebies page on my website, yourhealthforward.com slash freebies. And I will link that in the show notes for you as well. So September is PCOS Awareness Month. And so for today's episode, I wanted to do a quick deep dive into some basics about PCOS. It's actually the number one hormonal imbalance condition among reproductive aged women, and sadly, the leading cause of female infertility. So this condition affects a lot of women, and like many other hormonal issues, it can take a long time to get a proper diagnosis. So I want you to be informed about what PCOS is, what some of the common symptoms are, and if you or someone you love has PCOS, also what you can do to help with it. So let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. Hey friends, I'm Elena Davis, your integrative health coach, and I'm so glad you're here. This is the Health Forward Podcast, where each week we will be talking about different things that move us forward toward a healthier and more fulfilling life. Thanks so much for listening in. PCOS is a common hormone and metabolic condition that affects up to 15% of reproductive age women. It's associated with a higher risk for long-term health issues, such as heart disease, diabetes, hypertension, sleep apnea, and infertility. Also, higher instances of insulin resistance, IBS, and depression and anxiety are also reported with PCOS. So it's a pretty complex disorder. It doesn't only affect your cycle or it doesn't only affect your hormones. It really can affect your entire body. Now, symptoms often associated with this disorder are absent or infrequent menstrual cycles, excess weight gain or inability to lose weight, excess facial hair or body hair, hair on the head beginning to thin out or to fall out, severe acne, and then also often but not always insulin resistance and polycystic ovaries. So PCOS is the most common form of hormonal imbalance. And while experts know that it's rooted in inflammation and insulin dysregulation, what actually triggers PCOS is not understood. There seems to be a genetic factor with PCOS as women whose moms or sisters have it are usually also diagnosed with it. And as with any hormonal condition, gut health plays a major role in it. Some believe that it can be possibly linked with a combination of imbalanced gut flora, 
and increased intestinal permeability. That's also known as leaky gut. And the combination of those two can lead to a high level of inflammation in the body. And that can cause cells in the body to become more rigid and unable to receive the signal from insulin to let glucose into the cell. And so what that does is it makes your pancreas continue to pump out more and more and more insulin. And when that is left untreated, that can actually become insulin resistance. So then this continues to trickle downstream. And even though the ovaries do not become insulin resistant, when they're bombarded with insulin, they can actually respond by secreting testosterone. Also, an excess of insulin in the body can inhibit the secretion of sex hormone binding globulin. Uh, you often see that as SHBG, which is the protein that binds excess sex hormones like testosterone and estrogen to help them get out of the body. So this creates a perfect storm for really common PCOS symptoms. When you have excess hair growth, especially on the face, the chin, the chest, the inability to lose weight, the really infrequent or completely absent periods, a lot of acne, a lot of mood imbalances and instability. And so it just kind of creates this perfect storm that allows all these symptoms to come to the surface. So as far as getting a diagnosis for PCOS, it is a clinical diagnosis, which means that it's based on having a grouping of some or all PCOS symptoms and then ruling out other diagnoses. So often a physician may want to perform a, a series of lab tests as well as an ultrasound to check the ovaries for cysts, but it is important to note that not every woman with PCOS will have polycystic ovaries, despite that being the name of the disorder. Now, most women with PCOS do have insulin resistance. Again, not all, but most. And it's also really important that when you are working with your physician, that you are also informed about all the recommended labs that can be helpful for making a diagnosis, because there can be disagreements amongst physicians about how that diagnosis is reached, how many criteria are necessary to reach a PCOS diagnosis. Does a woman have to have polycystic ovaries or not? And so as more research and um, studies are coming out about that. You always have like a, a period where some people may have already accepted the new change, some have not. So it's important to know these things for yourself as well when you go into your physician's office so that you can be your best advocate. No one knows your body the way you do. And as much as your physician wants to help you, they don't know exactly what you're feeling, what you're experiencing, what your baseline of normal may be. So you need to be prepared to go in, ask questions, and that way you and your doctor can have a very informed decision and partner together in your health. So once someone receives a PCOS diagnosis, there really aren't a lot of great conventional treatment options available. The most common option is to take hormonal birth control. And while that can help with symptoms, unfortunately that doesn't actually do anything to heal the cause of the symptoms. Not only that, but some believe that taking hormonal birth control can actually worsen the condition over time. Metformin is also a common medication given to women with PCOS. 
if your doctor suggests that, just be sure that you are asking about common side effects that can happen with that. There are a few negative side effects that are commonly associated with that medication. So just be aware of that going in and maybe make sure that you're taking notes and asking questions about that. Unfortunately, there is no cure for PCOS, so it is a lifetime diagnosis. But there are things that a woman diagnosed with PCOS can do to help with symptoms as well as target those underlying contributors to PCOS, like we talked about, the blood sugar dysregulation, the poor gut health, and inflammation. So when I work with clients who have PCOS, the first two things that we always work on are supporting balanced blood sugar and healing their gut. So today I wanted to share a few things that may help some food, supplements, and lifestyle modifications that can help to address those two things, the blood sugar dysregulation and the gut health. So when it comes to food, the first thing to remember is that your body needs to feel safe and to know that it can count on adequate fuel throughout the day. This is going to help with inflammation. This is going to help with those stress hormones and support your adrenal health as well as supporting more balanced blood sugar. And so the best way to do this is to eat a balanced meal. What that means is a meal that consists of fiber, protein, and fat every single time you eat, and then eating regularly throughout the day about every three to four hours. I know I have talked about this a lot. If you've listened to many of my podcast episodes, you've probably heard that. And there's a reason for that. It's because it is so very important and so foundational to the rest of your health. So for most people, this is going to look like breakfast, lunch, dinner, and at least one snack, maybe two. If your schedule is very different than the norm, if you work nights, or sometimes even just depending on your profession, if you're teaching all day, for example, this may make this a little more difficult and you might have to tweak it a little bit, But the point is that you don't want to fall in either extreme. You don't want to be eating continually or grazing throughout the day. You need to give your body breaks in between meals, but you also don't want to skip meals or go long periods of time without eating. So usually that three to four hours is a sweet spot. If occasionally you have to stretch it a little further, that's fine. But for the most part, your pattern should be eating every three to four hours. And when you do eat, it is a balanced meal or snack. Some specific foods that can help are some clean sources of protein. So wild caught omega-3 rich fish. So that's going to be things like salmon, cod, trout, or even sardines. Bone broth is also going to be really good, both for healing the gut, and it's a great source of nutrients and protein. And then grass-fed beef as well is high in a lot of essential nutrients that are supportive of overall health, gut health, liver health. Some high fiber carbohydrates that you could include in your meals would be cruciferous veggies. So that's going to look like broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, kale, a lot of those types of things. Also, pumpkin is great and very nourishing to the body. Beans, rice, some onion, parsley, garlic are all going to be helpful um, and all going to be nourishing to your gut, to your liver. Also, high fiber berries, blueberries, strawberries, raspberries, goji berries, all of those are full of antioxidants 
and also are great sources of fiber. Cherries are great as well. And then some freshly ground seeds like flax seeds, sunflower seeds, sesame seeds can all be really great as well. Then for healthy fats, walnuts, coconut, olive, and their respective oils, coconut oil, olive oil, avocado oil, can all be great healthy fats that you can include in your meals and snacks. And then some herbs and spices and teas that have been found to be helpful for people with PCOS and specifically this set of symptoms, cinnamon, turmeric ginger are all really great spices that you can incorporate into your recipes also switching to decaf and specifically switching to decaf green tea there's a lot of health benefits in the green tea and so that would be a great switch also holy basil tea and then liver support teas like milk thistle or dandelion tea are all going to really help with liver support, with gut health support, can also help with blood sugar dysregulation. And so those would be great additions to your, for example, like your downtime or bedtime routine, having one of those teas could be really helpful. I also want to mention some supplements that have been found to help women with PCOS, but I do want to remind you that everyone's body is different and may respond differently to herbs and supplements. So it's really best to make sure you're working with a practitioner who's knowledgeable about these supplements and your particular health history and how your body may or may not respond, how they may interact with other medications you may be taking and things like that. With that said, both vitamin D and methylated B complex can be really helpful because a lot of women probably in general, but especially with PCOS, have been found to be deficient in both of these. Herbs like Vitex, Donkey, Saw Palmetto, Nettle Root, and Licorice can also help with some of the common symptoms of PCOS. Also, Inositol is another really common supplement given to help with insulin sensitivity and a lot of the other symptoms that PCOS can cause. There are also some lifestyle recommendations and alternative therapies that can be really helpful as well. So we all know that regular exercise is good for us, but especially for women with PCOS, daily movement is vital for reducing inflammation, balancing blood sugar, and supporting gut and liver health. It's also important to participate in weight training at least two times a week, either body weight or added weights. But this has been proven to actually increase insulin sensitivity, which allows it to be more useful and productive in the body. It's also recommended that women with PCOS prioritize getting eight to nine hours of sleep each night and commit to stress-reducing routines like daily walks, daily downtime from social media or probably any media, and any other emotional stressors as well. Acupuncture can also be really helpful, especially with ovulation. So maybe look into that if that's something you're interested in. I actually have a couple episodes on acupuncture and how it can help with fertility. Also one with endometriosis and just in general. 
many women have also found that seed cycling can be helpful. And seed cycling probably needs its own episode, but essentially what seed cycling is, is during the first part of your cycle, during the follicular phase of the cycle, eating certain kinds of seeds. And then after ovulation, for the second half of the cycle, for your luteal phase of your cycle, eating different kinds of seeds. And this can help the body get rid of excess hormones more efficiently and may support more balanced hormone levels overall. It's also a really great source of fiber, which is helpful for gut and liver health and helps when you're trying to have a balanced meal. Those seeds are an easy way to add fiber into your meals and your snacks. Ultimately, if you know of someone who has PCOS or you have PCOS, it's important to know that even though there's not a cure, symptoms can be managed and your body can be supported in such a way that the condition doesn't have to take over your life. So make sure that you get a good team of healthcare professionals on your side and in your corner that can help you with all aspects of your health. And I encourage you to really take the time to learn about PCOS and learn about your own body and how your body is responding to things, what's working well for you, what's not working well for you, and what may be good things for you to try that can help with the symptoms and help reduce inflammation and help your body function better. Friends, I hope that this episode has been helpful for you. If you are struggling with PCOS, know that you're not alone in this and that there is help available for you. Start with some of the things I've mentioned in this episode today and really work to build a team of people around you that can support you in this journey. As always, if you have questions, you can send them to info at yourhealthforward.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode and found it helpful, please be sure to leave a review of the podcast and give it a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe. This helps more people to be able to find the podcast and to make sure that you don't miss a new episode. That's it for me today, friends. Keep moving forward, go love your people well, and I'll talk to you next time. Please remember that the content in this episode is not to be considered as medical advice and is only intended as general health information. Thanks so much for listening in today. See you back here next week for another episode of the Health Forward Podcast.